As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to Basketball Adjacent. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gerald Smith. What's good, y'all? This is Gerald Smith. Welcome you back to the Basketball Adjacent Podcast. Brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Uh, Very excited to introduce my guest today for my third episode of the podcast, Jerry Blakes. Jerry, how you doing today? What's good? What's good, man? I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for sticking with me. We had a little bit of technical difficulties trying to get set up today, but we're going we're gonna to get rocking. Um, how's quarantine been treating you? Uh, quarantine's been good, man. Uh, it's been good because it's given me a different perspective. Uh, a lot of time to spend with my family and uh, probably times we won't get back. So I'm just uh, embracing it all. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of family, uh, congratulations to you and the missus on the little young bundle of joy. How's, how's fatherhood been been treating you? Fatherhood's been great, man, and thanks for that, man. Uh, he's going on a month on the 9th, so uh, it's getting big fast, man. It's been great. Uh, can't even really put it into words, bro. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. How has how's fatherhood kind of changed your outlook on life and, and your career going forward once you're able to hoop again? Uh, Well, career-wise, it was always fun, and it just recently became a business, but having uh, a career – as such is a blessing to be able to provide for my family. So to continue to do that would be, would be great. And that's the word. And that's the focus. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Jerry's from LA Inglewood to be exact. I think we met back in high school. Uh, you were at Morningside at the time. Uh, for those of you who know, he went to Losinger and then Morningside. Um, what it was it like, you know, what's growing up in Inglewood been like for you and, and how has it affected, you know, the, 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 the stance that you take on, on your career and how you approach your career and different things? Uh, it's very similar, man. It's kind of like the survival mentality type of thing. Like growing up in Inglewood, uh, low-income low housing, I guess like you have to figure out ways to elevate. It's not going to be easy. So uh, it's the same in my career coming from high school to professional. I had to find ways to elevate. So has been a direct correlation right there. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, you know, speaking of 
you know, elevating yourself and, and, you know, it being like, you know, the savage mentality taking, you know, you know, taking things as they are, uh, after high school, you kind of chose the, just to get into hooping, you kind of chose the Juco route, uh, as opposed to, you know, going, going division one. Is there any, can you talk to that a bit, a little bit? Uh, yeah, I mean, I really had no choice in the matter, bro. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they ruled me ineligible after being committed to Hawaii, uh, my senior year. So I had to get my associate's degree and, uh, I had to do that to be able to go to a four-year university. So, I had to do it. Yeah, yeah. And why, for those of you who know, uh, Jerry went to San Bernardino Valley College uh, after high school. So why San Bernardino Valley and why not a JC closer to home? Uh, well, for me, in, uh, in the in the junior college basketball realm, it's essentially close to home because they have national JUCOs, which most players typically go that route, which is uh, almost like a university where you uh, get room and board and stipend and stuff like that. But in but in California, they have their own league, which uh, residents of California can play and uh, get almost the same as they would if they're a national JUCO player. So I yeah, that. yeah. What other JUCO, what other California JUCOs did, did SBC, SBVC play against? Uh, Chafee, which is uh, an IE. Yeah. Mount San Jacinto. These are like random places, but uh, we also played Victor Victor Valley Community College. I'm not uh, even gonna are, hold you. I never even heard of that. Yeah, these places are just like uh, it's all its own different league. It's San Bernardino, so anything you can think of in like those crazy places out there. I'm trying to figure out another one. It might be. I mean, East LA was a team that we played, but they weren't our league. Yeah, Riverside Community College. They weren't our league either, but teams like that. We lost to Santa Cla- Santa Clara, or Santa Clarita for the championships. I remember them. Okay, okay. So you know everybody's experience in JUCO is a, a bit different. A lot of people choose to go down that road for for different reasons specific to them. Um, but what kind of role did your time at SBVC kind of play in your career and your development, not only as a player but as a man? A uh, very very pivotal role, being that in my life and in my career, I've never done anything consistently for two years in a row with structure. So I think that allowed me to grow as a person, which uh, can automatically go into the court. So the two years being there just really uh, allowed me to grow into a person on and off the court. Okay. Okay. No doubt. No doubt. And so kind of, I'm, I'm sure uh, you were heavily recruited during that time because I think you were player of the year in that league, your, your, your second year, correct? Yes, I was player of the year my second year, and uh, I was definitely heavily recruited. Ended up committing to Arizona State, but I had a lot of uh, offers from teams in the SEC, uh, like LSU, uh, and just other teams like that, Big 12, Texas Tech, Tennessee, and all of those things. But I chose Arizona State because I always wanted to play in the Pac-12 and also be close to home. Yeah, that was literally my next question was, was why ASU of all schools? Were there any other Pac-12 schools that were recruiting you? Yeah. USC, Washington State, and Washington were my uh, were my schools of choice. Washington didn't offer, but Washington State, USC, and Arizona State for sure. Okay. But why? Uh, because I wanted to play in the Pac-12. It was a very competitive league. Uh, still is. Uh, James Harden is from L.A., left-hand guy that went to Arizona State. Byron Scott's a guy from Morningside that went to Arizona State. Quincy Brewer, which is my uh, – Juco coach 
he went to Arizona State. Also, as a left hand guy. Oh, okay. I had a lot of role models and guys I looked up to that uh, made it an easy decision to go to Arizona State. No doubt, no doubt. So, what was it like playing for Coach Hurley? Uh, playing for a coach that uh, has been uh, decorated for a long time now was uh, was unique. It was unique in certain areas. Like never having to never playing for an NBA coach, yeah, like a caliber coach. So, uh, that was different, but it was great, man. Uh, learned a lot about the game, learned what real work was, not any knock on the coach before, yeah, but like a difference in the approach to work, yeah. Obviously, somebody like somebody like Bobby Hurley, you know, the the blue blood pedigree, him being at Duke, um, the long career that he had, the very decorated career he had, I can understand how. You know, he brings a different outlook to the game that some other coaches might not. Not saying that it, it's not because they didn't play at the level that he did, but just, you know, the accomplishments that he had. Yeah, and like you said, like as a player, like it's one thing to be a college player, but to also get drafted in the league, play in the league, and have that experience allows you to uh, have a different experience and a different uh, message for what you're teaching. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what was the transition from JUCO to Pac-12 like for you? Were there any any hiccups at any point, any challenges? Did you feel that, you know, there were any advantages to playing JUCO first before going to Pac-12? Uh, the advantage might have been the amount of hard work I put in. So it's kind of just like it became second nature. And it, almost, and it almost was a bad thing because in JUCO you work so hard to get to the next level that when you get to the next level, you don't have to use the same recipe to get to the next level, but you yeah. don't know that because you're just so stuck in the grind. So I think that was something that I learned also was the transition from JUCO to Arizona State was more – for me, it should have been more uh, mental and strategic as opposed to physical and strenuous. Okay. Yeah, I, I get that because it's like, you know, you come straight out of college into the – I mean, straight out of high school into the Pac-12. You know, you go from playing against high school guys to college seniors that are 21, 22, uh, 23 for fifth years that have – you know, they're they're physically fit. You know, they're, they're at a different level physically, mentally than a, a lot of the high school players that you're used to. So I feel like I could understand how it could be an advantage, you know, playing two years in JUCO. You're playing against grown men already. So no, I can't, I can't, and that's another thing too. And JUCO, man, you can have a guy on your team that's thirty six. Wow, no cap, no cap. Like you can, he can really if if the coach allows him to be on the team and he's never played college basketball, you can play JUCO. So wow. So so with that, yeah, I did play against a grown man and coming into Arizona State my junior year, I was already only had two years, so I was a lot more physically prepared than a freshman would have been. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you played a pretty significant role for ASU in your two seasons. How did that – how did your time at ASU kind of affect your de- development as a player? We talked about how Juco kind of kind of crafted your game. How did ASU affect you mentally, physically? Uh, as I said at the time before, coming from Juco to Arizona State, you have to take those steps and uh, do what you can to to elevate yourself. And I think it was the same on the next, on the next level, going from college to – uh, the pro level. What I learned in college most was how how to stand out. Yeah. And I, and I learned that through trial and error, and I also learned that through experience and just watching other people. But I mean to say, like, when you're in college, you don't know exactly 
like we like people dream and have goals and say, oh, I want to make it to the NBA. But the next question becomes, how do I make it to the NBA? Or how do I get this goal accomplished? You know, and if you don't have the right recipe, then you yeah. never have you never had the right. Yeah. Yeah. So what did that what did that preparation process for the next level look like for you as you began to weigh your options after graduation? Uh for me, for me, it was tough because this this person that I am now wasn't the same person coming out of college. Like I had to learn from there too. Mm-hmm. And you learn so much. And this is what I mean by I'm willing to give back the game because I didn't have an agent coming right out. Like I basically was like fishing for an agent on my own. And 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 typically it shouldn't be like that when yeah. you're when you're a player that started in the Pac-12 for two years and had decent numbers. It shouldn't be like that, but for some reason. God has always put me in a position to learn the lesson that I need to learn in order to be ready for that next level. So I've always accepted that for what it was. And to answer your question, sorry for rambling. Uh, no, nah, man, go on, go on. It just, taught, it just taught me the mental approach going from, uh, okay, now I learn what to do to stand out, right? But now I go into my pro career and now I have to, apply that i have to apply everything that i learned in instantly and i think that's what that's what i i got from college like everything that you learn you have to apply it right away yeah so you you kind of talked about um how you were in this unique situation coming out to where you were you know basically basically it's a reset you know like it doesn't matter what you did uh in college at that point you know because there's dudes that are in the league that did that in college for, you know, two, three, four years. And sometimes one year that, you know, they're well into their careers. It doesn't matter who you were in college. Now it's like, what, what do you bring to a, a professional team? Um, and you, you talked about the unique situation that you were in to where, you know, um, you were kind of on your own and then fending for, for an agent and stuff like that. So did you work out at that time for any NBA teams? Were there ever any opportunities for you to play at that level? Yeah, actually it was, I uh, got a random call from the Phoenix Suns, and this was the day of the workout. Mm-hmm. I probably had like 30 minutes to get there. And uh, they like, we needed an extra person. And I guess I was an extra person. So they called me to come and uh, I worked out for the Phoenix Suns. With Earl Watson was the head coach at the time. Shout out to Earl Watson. I know that's your guy, UCLA. Yes, sir, UCLA. Shout out to Earl, gotta get him on the pod eventually. I would say Pac-12, shout out to the Pac-12. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to UCLA too. But, uh, no, that was my that was my workout I had with him. That was the only real NBA experience that I had coming out of college. Other than that, it was back to the drawing board, trying to figure out life and how to make my my hobby make make a living for me. So yeah, yeah. So at that point in time, I guess the the next best route is to head across the water uh, so you can continue hooping and start your professional career. So talk about what that transition was like for you going from from college to to heading overseas um, I can imagine from the players that I've talked to and are friends with and we've had some of these conversations too um, you know you go over there and it's kind of like you're one American of maybe two or three on a roster in this foreign country um, where, where was the first place that you went coming out of college first of all first place the first place I went was Corman Hungary it's a small city. I'm actually, I'm actually familiar with it because one of my teammates from UCLA, uh, Gigi Goleman, was from Hungary. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Hungary is a unique place in itself. It was a uh, definite 
surreal, surreal experience to say the least. And then, but I didn't end up playing there. I was basically there for a month. Ended up leaving, and I played my first season in Cyprus. Okay. Badalimi, Cyprus. It's an island country uh, in Greece. Uh, and I had a great time. I had a great time, and I learned a lot. And when you're over there, man, you have so much time to yourself. Yeah. For the simple, for the simple fact that American, like the the time is off. So when it's midnight there. It's about eight o'clock in the morning here, and vice versa. It's just like a nine-hour difference. So you really get to, you really get time to spend with yourself and learn about yourself and uh, create create a new identity in a way where you're not you know it's like a caterpillar in a nutshell. Like he just gets to grow, grow and grow until it blossoms. So that's what it's been for me over the last four years, going on five years. I go over there and lock in for ten months. Yeah, and like the guys that you said, you meet two or three or four, maybe five uh, Americans, and and that's really all you have out there unless you have a family and you make the most of it. But the experiences are great when you go to a different country because it's just a different country. Like, you can't beat that. There's no price. Yeah. Um, going to a different country. Yeah. So now you've had the opportunity to play in maybe three or four uh, different leagues overseas. Um, what, what, how have you seen like the opportunity or, or the, the growth in yourself change from country to country? What's the, the difference in experience as far as hooping in each country? Uh, first and every, like in everything in life, they have their, there are levels. And, uh, when I first started off, I was pretty much at a lower level than I am now. And, uh, it's contrary to my hard work, bro, because, the more, the more you work, the more you see life get better for you. And that's kind of the message when I say grow forever because it, it, it literally was that from the first team being this and the house looking like this and the finances being like this. And then you take that little small step up and it's a little bit better. And then you take a small step up and it's a little bit better. And then that next time you look back like, wait a minute, this as opposed to that where I started is like, whoa, like you look at the progression like, and knowing that there's still more to go, that's why I always say grow forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how have you seen – have you seen the I, – I, I, I mean, basketball is a universal language around the entire world, but have you seen the game change in each country that you've, went, that you've been to? Uh, maybe not in each country. We can base it on America and Europe, let's say. Mm-hmm. And the style of play is based on uh, country, but – the, st- the the basics of Europe is a lot different than here. Like in America, we teach more so s- skill and being like individually yeah. talent as opposed to learning the game and being a threat in every situation on the court and knowing how to execute the game instead of executing your own thing. So yeah. that's, that's what I learned. Like the game is different. Like they they move the ball, they play, they play with a reason, and they play with an intent to win together. That's the that's the core of what of what European basketball is. And here it's not that it's are you nice? Like can you get a bucket? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how how swag do you look? Like and mind you, I grew up here, so I understand that. Like I grew up in it too. But being an underdog, I always knew that that was second to what I did on the floor, second or third to handling the business itself. Yeah. So that's where 
our people in America or just basketball in general or in life, we get we get the glamour mixed up with the work, you know? Yeah. Like you get the guy to put a lot of work in before you get the glamour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shit, I mean, you, you basically answered my next question, which was gonna be like, what's your mindset like being so far from home, you know, being being out in those leagues, playing with those dudes that grew up in, in a system like that. But um, obviously it's all about business and you know, business and hooping is, is synonymous in, in these situations, but what kind of helps you get through the time that you spend overseas? Um, especially now, uh, obviously you didn't have a, a child when, when you were out there before, but now that you do, um, but you, you had, you had your lady who was back home or was she overseas with you too? My wife has been with me uh, every year except for my rookie season. Okay. Okay. So that for me is like, I'm very, very, very fortunate because most people don't have someone that's there with them the entire time. Yeah. Having that experience where we can just travel the world and see so many different countries by, because of a basketball, it just makes life like, wow, this is just crazy. And uh, it just is, it's just a real, it's just a real thing. I advise anybody to go travel the world and you can't, there's no price on it. I'll say it again. There's no price on seeing having those experiences yeah yeah so what's the what's the next step for you in your career uh assuming that this quarantine and, and coronavirus passes uh sometime fairly soon or, or or is there another league that you're headed to uh soon after corona oh right now i'm still in the contract phase so i'm uh, negotiating with teams seeing where we want to go uh with the whole quarantine thing is best I mean, the best advice I'll give to myself and to anyone else is to keep your mind strong and uh, stay focused on the positive things and control what you can control. Uh, because right now, it's a lot of uncontrollable things that's going on and you can really go into a really weird mental space if you aren't careful. So, yeah. And in, in knowing that, I, I find peace in knowing that I'm not the only person going through this quote-unquote pandemic. So, yeah. That itself allows me to be a little optimistic about my career and my life and everything else. So, has the virus kind of affected your plans at all throughout this this contract phase? Like some of the some of the different teams you've been negotiating with, some of the opportunities that you that you've seen kind of present themselves or are no longer be available. Uh, well, I wouldn't say more about availability. I would say based on the country and it's. COVID situation or its current situation or its economical situation yeah, plays a different role in the opportunity for one person like me because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a field of a lot of people and, and making decisions with the family it has to be uh, directly aligned with what I want or similar or kind or it has to be lined up enough for me to make the decision so in that I uh, patiently made, just try to make the right decision instead of being forced into anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, uh, from what it seems like throughout our entire conversation, uh, there's a common theme between, you know, your career, your family, how you approach life. And it, it's this theme of, you know, constant growth, um, grow forever. And I know uh, for those of you who follow Jerry on Instagram or, or have followed his career, um, throughout college, throughout throughout professionally, he's he's kind of held this motto, "Grow forever." Um, so, kind of talk to the people about what "Grow Forever" means to you, like how you kind of came upon that that motto. 
Oh yeah. Grow forever is a, a brand and a mantra that I live by that just emphasizes growth. And in that you categorize and compartmentize where you are in life and what you want to do and start a growth process in each one of those compartments or situations. And that's kind of what I've done unknowingly my whole life because I always wanted to get better at this, this, this. Oh, you want to do everything. Well, it's not that I want to do everything, but I want to uh, change. I want to recreate myself. I want to recreate the stigma of who I am growing up in the hood and, and being this person. And, and, and you can easily just naturally go into something that you never even noticed because of the environment. So having a conscious decision and I'm in a conscious mindset and a growth mindset, it allowed me to say, you know what? Maybe I could, maybe I could put my pants up right here because it makes me, it makes, there's a reason. Everything has a reason. I can put my pants up because maybe the person that I need to help me, it might be walking right by me. Who knows? Yeah. Or, or if I, if I'm any type of opportunist and I'm looking for a good job, then maybe I should carry myself or speak a, a certain way so that I can have a better chance at getting this job. So all these, or I can just keep going on with the growth for everything, or I got a crazy attitude and people piss me off. Like that's the area you can grow. There's so many areas where you feel like, ah, it's kind of like the best at that. It's kind of like, it's kind of like leaving, leaving no stone unturned. Like, you know, you're, you're on this, this crazy journey, whether it be life, whether it be hoop, whether it be family, and, you know, you, you never want to miss out on the opportunities that are available to you. So it's not like you're trying to do so many things at once. It's like, you know, why can't I do this while I'm doing this type thing? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 more, and, and the main part, what I, uh, growth forever for me is like small example. And, I, and I'm going to use myself as an example. It's when I say recreate yourself, it goes from a person. And you should see on one of my videos, if uh, you guys haven't seen it, go check it out. But I think it's Grow Forever episode four. But what I'm saying is you can go from a, a young kid from poverty and on your way to seven, eight, nine figures just by imagining and believing and and executing the growth by, by being honest with yourself and saying, you know what? I have to get better at this. I cannot. For people in a marriage, in your life, you get up, your body, your physical, everything, like, if you can't read that well, like, practice reading. Like, you know, all those little things, everything is a, yeah. is a big growth. So that's what so growth forever is. At what, point, at what point in life or in your career did you kind of sit yourself down and, and realize that, that this was kind of the, the mindset that you wanted to embody? Like, what, kinda, what sparked the, the idea, the theme behind the brand, uh, the mantra that you live by? I think it was... It's that it's that little feeling that we all feel as humans, where it's like you know you're capable of something, and you really know that you that you can do it. But it's that small feeling, like, damn, will I ever get there? Is somebody gonna believe in me? Like I believe in me, you know? Yeah. That 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 moment created a monster for me because I didn't want to. I didn't believe in that moment. I didn't believe. I didn't believe in. What's the word, Lord? Like, I didn't believe that, that, that what I felt, what I felt was like fake. Like, you know, like, like, man, like, you know, sometimes you might be delusional, like, man, I can do this, but I, but maybe they won't see me. Like, my mentality was, no, nah, I'm gonna do it and they are gonna see me. I'm gonna do it and it's gonna get done. I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna get out what I set out to do with this 
situation or with this goal. So, and, and for me, I've set out so many goals and I've knocked them down and it just creates a, a, a wave of just building, like, let's go. What's next? Like, it's like a, it's like a never say no mindset. You know, once you, once you flip that switch internally, the ripple effect is, is yeah, the growth really that you see. Potential. Yeah. Your own potential. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so aspirationally, I mean, I, I, I feel like I relate to that so personally, just, you know, in my own career, when I was at UCLA, starting as a walk-on and, you know, obviously you having played in the Pac-12, there were walk-ons on your team. You know, the whole process that walk-ons have to go through, not just, you know, in practice, but to even see the two minutes that they see at the, at the end of a game. And for me, it's always been, you know, personally, I feel like that switch that I flipped at that one point in time when I became a walk-on at UCLA was, all right, I'm going to believe in me, um, no matter what the, the outcome is hoop-wise, you know, me being a part of UCLA basketball team, being a part of UCLA athletics is going to spin into something bigger for me, which is what it has personally. And I, I feel like I'm kind of picking up on the message that, that you're giving behind Grow Forever, that, it, that it's like, you know, investing in yourself because you never know what that initial investment might, might, might take you. You never know what you'll get out of that. Exactly, exactly. So, like, aspirationally, what, what, what are you hoping for the brand to become, like, in the, in the long run? Uh, I mean, for me, in some ways, I would, in a competitive way, I would want to be like Nike, if, if, that, if I could, uh, which I wish is the goal. So, I mean, knowing that thing, I will grow. I'm, I will, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to grow. But the aspiration is to give back to the people, man, to have hope and for people to look and see that there's an outlet and there's a message and, and there's a direction to where I'm trying to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, you can find direction in where you're trying to go by going to grow forever. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's what I aspire to do. I aspire to inspire people by finding direction. What is the, what the, what is the direction exactly? It's just knowing that you're not alone fulfilling your potential and, 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 and embracing the process of doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And those are the components. And that's what I aspire to do is just to spark somebody to be a better person, to, to change the way they think and to change the, and, and, and totally understand it and really buy into it for themselves. Not because it, it really works, but you have to fully believe it from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. And for, for those of you who don't know, uh, you can follow the brand on Instagram at Grow Forever. That's G R O W, the number four E V R, um, and on the website Grow Forever G R O W four E V E R dot net um, for not just you know these inspirational talks through content that that Jerry shoots through his workouts or just in lifestyle, um, before you know apparel and, and and life lessons that that kind of follow that mantra as well. Um, Jerry, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be on the pod with me today. Is there anything else um, that you might want to tell the people, people that are that are trying to find their own path in life uh, that are looking to grow for their for themselves? Well, first of all, I want to say thanks for having me, man. And that was a great uh, a great time spent here. And uh, I would just say, make sure you guys check out the website, uh, get you some gear. And continue to grow forever, man. If you haven't started growing, start it now. And uh, let's do it together. Grow forever.
Yeah, yeah. So this is Jerry Blakes, ladies and gentlemen, on episode three of the Basketball Adjacent Podcast. You can follow Jerry uh, on Instagram at, at GE Blakes, B L A K E S 4. Uh, Jerry, thank you so much for, for coming on, man. I appreciate you. Hey, appreciate you too, man. Got to get you some gear too. Oh, uh, yeah, man. I already know. I'm going to send you my sizes as soon as we're done. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and tune in to the Basketball Adjacent Podcast on your favorite audio platform or always on Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V dot com. Interested in advertising on the Basketball Adjacent Podcast? Hit me up on any social platform at at Gerald H. Timms. That's at sign J-E-R-R-O-L-D-H-T-I-M-S. And stay tuned for updates on bi-weekly episodes and what to expect next. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.